Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Carrie Faith on Purpose show, where we put your health and happiness as our number one priority. I'm your host, Carrie Faith, and I'll be sharing a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to create your masterpiece called Life. I believe that with faith and inspired action, anything and everything is possible. And when you combine it with purpose, there is absolutely no limit to your success. I share my own personal struggles and triumphs while exposing global perspectives about happiness, health, and well-being. We combine talks around spirituality, psychology, and self-development to align your mind, body, and soul. Together, we connect, create, and transform from the inside out. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, tea, or if you're anything like me, a glass of water, or perhaps even some champagne, while we carry faith on purpose together. Hello and welcome to the Carry Faith On Purpose podcast. Welcome to this week's show. We have a guest today. Her name is Crystal Hillsley, and she is a skilled author, a child food advisor, passionate food clean activist. She is an authentic marketing specialist, storyteller, and mother. She embodies her coined tag phrase, bringing clarity to eating well and having fun. I love the message because eating well can be fun. Crystal received her BS in psychology and is a certified master health and wellness coach. Certified intuitive eating specialist and has extensive training in parent-child interactive therapy. Combining her love for helping others with the tools and steps families can easily incorporate to heal nutritional struggles. Crystal believes every family can have a healthy, and happy future. I am honored to have Crystal with us today. We are going to talk all about growth mindset, the challenges that families are facing today, and foods that can help with our mindset and happy and healthy living. Crystal Hillsley is here with us today, coming all the way from my hometown of San Diego, California. Thank you for joining us and me today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I love everything that you do. And I feel like you and I are so aligned besides having that passion for the beach and the ocean and sunny Southern California. But what really stood out to me in your experience is your passion for kids and your passion to heal and to help our kids and help parents just align and provide the best upbringing and the best tools. Uh, And for me, I love growth mindset. It's something that I'm really obsessed with. And so I want to hear about how you found this concept of growth mindset. So I had, I went through a very difficult time in life. I was 
I'm an indigo child. And so I had a very strong sense of intuition and a lot of different kind of extra abilities. And as a lot of children experience, their parents are unsure of what that means and how to sort of navigate that with them. And so a lot of, of, of the children, as I was saying, they kind of shut it down. And so it pushed through very strongly when I had my own daughter 10 years ago. And there were some stark differences between her dad and I. And although he was and is still to this day, uh, soul family, there were a lot of lessons through that. And our divorce was very traumatic for me. And it brought up a very old childhood wound because my father had passed away in a car accident when I was a little girl. And so essentially that cycle had repeated itself of her dad leaving and me reliving that experience. And so I was very affected by it. And um, I would wake up every day if I got any sleep as it was. I had insomnia. I was having um, panic attacks. I was very filled with anxiety and it was debilitating. And I didn't want to live that way. And so I started just doing some exploration. I've always been very open to the spiritual side as well as fascinated by the different aspects of certain religions and what their basis is. And so I just started kind of doing some research. And luckily, I ended up in Encinitas, where there's a large community and the culture is very much about growth and meditation. And so I just started getting into it bit by bit. And one of the first things that I did was I forced myself to wake up every single morning and start a practice that my daughter calls her thankful. So I did it with her and she was like my, she was my buddy and she was, she kept me in alignment with it. And, um, she was like my partner in it. And so I would wake up in the morning and just say whatever it was that I was grateful for, whatever I was thankful for, even if it was Thank you, God, that I've opened my eyes. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you that I have this warm bed. Thank you that I have a healthy daughter. And that might seem like really small things to a lot of people, but if you get down to the gist of it, they're all really big things in our lives. And so I programmed myself because I saw these negative thoughts coming up over and over and over again on this broken record. And so I was just determined that no matter what, I was going to figure out how to reprogram my brain. I followed some work. I'm sure you're familiar with him, Dr. Bruce Lipton. And his book, The Biology of Belief, radically changed my perception way of thinking about how, our, how we are designed as humans on a cellular level and how our brains essentially get addicted to whatever thought patterns and bubbles that we've constantly fed it. And so I went, okay, well, then there's a way to hack this. And it took time. It took a lot of time and it took a lot of being very patient with myself and ultimately very, very much in the present moment because all we have is the present moment. And it took, I would say maybe nine to 12 months. And one day I was out, outside walking my dog and this positive thought just came to me from my subconscious. And I still can remember that, that moment to this day, this was years ago, of literally jumping up and down on the sidewalk going, it, I did it, it happened. This positive thought just came to me without me forcing it to happen and without me. So that habit cycle and me programming my brain finally worked. And so it's something that's a constant practice for me to this day. I still wake up saying my gratefuls and thankfuls and constantly thinking about what it is that I want to happen from the present moment that I'm in. Wow, that is an unbelievable story. And I really just thank you for being vulnerable and sharing it with me here today and the audience, because it's, it's hard to really see 
that the pain in our life is really a catalyst for an opportunity. And you really seize that. And it's funny that you said you um, were in Encinitas in a very like spiritual, you know, a place that had a lot of positive energy. I think there's a lot of light there. There's a lot of love there. Um, having lived in Encinitas myself and in, in San Diego and yet I was there like in um, the 1990s and I even went to yoga centers there and it was like, I wasn't ready for that message to come to me, even, you know, going to the self-realization center and the gardens there. And at times we're not ready for the message, but you were, you were like at the perfect place and the perfect time to receive that as a change. So I just applaud you and thank you for sharing that. What really stood out to me was the book because I hadn't, I haven't heard of the book. It's by um, Lipton, The Biology of Belief. Definitely I need to check that out and I will leave it in the show notes here. But what it all comes down to, I feel like, is that practice of gratitude. And what was the word that you used? The practice thankfuls? My daughter calls it thankfuls. Yeah. The, the thankfuls. I've never heard of that, but this podcast, the common theme is all about gratitude. I mean, that is the one medicine, I feel like, the one fuel that will shift anything and everything in one's life. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you found that change through gratitude. And I can relate to just all of a sudden, like putting in all that work and all the work of every single day, like saying your thankfuls, using gratitude, and then all of a sudden it just becomes automatic. I've experienced that recently with retraining my brain to love the cold as a Southern California native or an Oregonian. I've trained myself to actually trick myself into loving the cold. And now out on my walks in winter, I'm like, oh, this feels so good. And I would have never said that. Yeah. So the programming is so imperative. And how did that tie into your love and passion for food and nutrition now? So it's really interesting, actually, because through your journey, you recognize very quickly in the involvement and the spiritual evolution that it's up to us anytime something's brought to us that we have a choice in that present moment to respond or to react. And so from that place, anything that's frustrated you or triggered you and people get so upset over anything from politics to, you know, their sports team losing. And, and so I kind of sat there and I was like, okay, well, so how is this affecting me and why am I triggered by it? So that means I have to go in and do some inner work. And through all the inner work that I did, the one thing that frustrated me the most was seeing this rise in childhood obesity and kids being diagnosed with a number of different lifestyle diseases with type two diabetes, one in 10 kids are ADD, ADHD, things of that nature. And so it frustrated me. And I was like, okay, but this is frustrating me to the point that I've got to do something about it if I'm going to get angry. If I'm walking around a grocery store and I see these well-intended parents that have just finished taking their kid to a, a soccer game. So they've had this great family experience. They're outside, they're getting their exercise, fresh air. And then they're filling their cart with potato chips and ice cream and sodas that's kind of not fair, <laughs> that they're not really setting them up. So I think it comes down to, in my experience and in my professional experience as well, 
there's three things that are missing for parents. Number one is food education, what to feed them. Number two is feeding education, how to feed them. And number three, understanding child behavior and temperament. So my background is actually psychology, and I'm wildly fascinated by why people do the things that they do and how they're influenced to then create these habits. And habits are formed from belief systems, and belief systems then go back to childhood. So when you put it in that in that way, and then you frame it that way, it is a little bit overwhelming to parents because you're a parent, I'm a parent. <laughs> they didn't come yes. with a handbook. <laughs> and I'm a psychology major too. So I've yeah. been studying it since the 1990s and it just gets so complex. And so mm -hmm. how can we put such a complex theories and applications and human behavior and programming and all of that? And then like you said, make it simple. And you found that through tying it with the foods that we eat. Absolutely. The food that we eat, everything that you put in has an outward expression. So when I originally started my company, Crystal Clear Kids, I would work with parents and families one-on-one -on -one and in groups and do talks all over San Diego County at schools, at Boys and Girls Club, at YMCA, you name it. And I found what parents were looking for in the sense of they trust the brands, right? Because marketing agencies do a fantastic job. It's a multi-billion dollar year industry. And when you look at that package or that box, it's exciting. And they have done all of the work to understand psychologically how they can get us to trust them. And so you look at fruits and vegetables and they're not very exciting. But so how can we make the things that our children need and we need as well more exciting. That comes down to the communication, right? That comes down to having the conversations with our children and really empowering them because we can't go through this whole bypassing of, of thinking to ourselves, well, children just don't understand. They actually do. They're a lot more intuitive and enlightened than we give them credit for. And so child psychology, early childhood development, they're showing that babies can understand how to communicate. They just can't speak yet. Right. And so they're looking to us and we come into this world essentially knowing nothing. And we're just looking around and trying to get our needs met. So while the field of psychology, as you just said, is very large and vast, it really comes down to having peaceful communication with your children and feeding them the foods that allow them to thrive, that their bodies are intended to have, and being able to have the, the awareness that your children are coming in to trigger you. They're coming in to give you the lessons that you need. And so if you've got a two or a three-year-old that's making you super angry and you're going into this reactive state, that's your opportunity to slow down, get present in the moment, and then ask yourself, why is this two or three-year-old wrecking me? Why am I losing my mind? Okay, so I've got to go do some inner work because this beautiful phase and this age from birth to seven years old is when we're programming their belief systems about who they are, about if the world is safe or not safe, about their ability to create and find happiness. And so it is a big job to be a parent. It's absolutely, and it's one of the most important jobs in the world. Uh, I just think that parents are underprepared for what comes in and we just think, oh, we're going to get this beautiful baby and it's going to be great. No, it's not. It's, it is work, but the work is the inner work and the work is educating yourself on the foods that are the right foods. And if you're reading a package, it's really not that hard. If there are a ton of ingredients on there that you can't pronounce, you probably shouldn't be eating it. If it has a shelf life longer than six months, and I'm just throwing that out there, it's filled with a ton of preservatives that are completely foreign to our body. So how are we, how are we expected as adults that have stronger immune systems than these children that have come in very sensitive to a lot of things and toxins that are in the environment. And so how can we really set them up for success? You are just adding so much knowledge and value right here. I mean, 
everywhere from the food to actually the belief system, it's all tied in together. And something that, you know, in doing my own inner work, I've realized that um, because I experienced anxiety and depression from a very young age, which was undiagnosed. But, and then I self-diagnosed myself at 20, was then diagnosed with depression and generalized anxiety disorder. But in really doing a lot of work over the past few decades, looking back at my childhood is where all the opportunities to work through those wounds have come. And a big clear message to me was through the foods. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like, you know, I was just so drawn to you and the Crystal Clear Kids because I think that a lot of it, a lot of my anxiety and a lot of the depression was because of I wasn't eating the right foods. Mm. Nobody knew about this back in the 1980s and 90s. You know, I'm just discovering this now in the past, I would say, five years because there's so much research in it. You know, even studying psychology from, the 1990s, I was told that we have fixed mindsets, that we have fixed personalities. And anyone that I think is over, you know, was born in the 20th century, was subject to all these ways of being that is not allowing us to thrive right here, right now. And so it's not just about, I feel like, feeding our kids the right foods. But it's really about also like leading by example and having those opportunities. Like you said, the triggers are the opportunities for us. So in learning about how we can feed our kids, really, this is an opportunity to learn how we can eat better. Mm. So are there any specific, you know, foods that you have identified that really help us become as adults and children? I don't know if your experience or knowledge, um, you know, expands here, but specific foods that we can feed our kids and ourselves to have more, you know, maybe self-control, more clarity in our, our day-to-day lives. Yeah. So when I work with people one-on-one or in groups and a lot of the content that I talk about is I always start backwards and I look at, okay, number one, typically we're exhausted because we've been dealing with kids that have these outbursts Mm -hmm. and there's four reasons for an outburst, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And so there's different ways to approach your child in the middle of that outburst. And a really important fact to keep in mind is that the emotion of anger or in that, that emotional outburst, anger is usually the core, which underneath anger is fear. Mm -hmm. It lasts a total of 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. It's how we as parents then guide them through to get rid of that emotion after and to be able to integrate it and integrate both sides of their brain because they're, they're, they're typically in their emotional center, their right brain. And we're coming at them with left brain logic. So that's where the conversation comes in. So when I say I start backwards, I start with sleep. Let's let's get everybody sleeping well because when their nervous systems aren't settled, they're not sleeping well at night. And then guess what? We as parents, we're not sleeping well at night. So the number one thing that I always recommend that's a blanket to recommend is to ensure that you have enough magnesium in your diet. And so magnesium is a nerve nourishing mineral. Its cofactor is called B6. So you should take B6 with magnesium. And so there's a drink that's called the natural calm drink. I recommend it all the time. And there are different types of magnesium. The one that's recommended the most is magnesium glycinate, but magnesium citrate, which is what's in natural calm is totally fine. And it's a powdered drink. 
Uh, I, I always recommend a drop of stevia, like a liquid stevia, because it, it will be a little bit tart, but it's a great drink that you can give to your kids twice a day and they'll start sleeping better at night, as will you. And so the foods that I always suggest, number one, is all diseases begin in the gut, as Hippocrates said, the father of modern medicine. So our guts have been damaged by a number of factors. Um, you know, early childhood, if, if perhaps, so my own stepdaughter, she was diagnosed ADD at a very young age, and she unfortunately had ear infections even when she had tubes in her ears. So she went through rounds and rounds and rounds of antibiotics in order to you know, improve the ear infections. So she was diagnosed as ADHD at four and a half, five years old, a few years later put on medication and she had every bad side effect, the poor kid that you could think of. She lost her hair, she lost weight. She went through just the ringer. It was a doozy for her and for us. So 50% of the time I was approaching her from a very natural holistic perspective and her mom was following the regime that the doctors gave her all these pills and medications, which exasperated her anxiety. So I always look at what's going on in your gut. So have you been on rounds of antibiotics like my stepdaughter was? Have you had a, you know, a ton of damage um, to your system from foods that are, that are highly processed? And as I said a minute ago, filled with ingredients that are totally foreign to our system. Nonetheless, even if you haven't had things like that, our guts have been damaged and it's known as leaky gut. And so I've done a number of different cleanses. I have a gut reset cleanse as a part of my family support program, but it's as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to work in some fermented foods into my diet on a daily basis. And so those things for kids, you know, they're the same as for adults, but what are, what are easier to get in kids are yogurts that have live cultures in them. Uh, you can take probiotics. You just have to make sure that they have enteric coating on them. So they make it past your stomach acid and get to your digestive system. Like you want them to. And there are brands, there's tons of brands that have enteric coating on them. So the yogurts, my daughter loves kombucha. I love kombucha. I make my own homemade bone broth and I'll use that as the base for ramen noodles or for a soup or to saute vegetables in. Uh, other things are like miso soup and that's, that's really easy to make, right? Or you just buy the miso paste at the grocery store. Tempeh is amazing. Uh, things like sauerkraut. I like sauerkraut. My, my daughter doesn't. She likes kimchi just as long as it's not spicy. For some reason, that's just her preference. So anytime that you can work foods like that into your, into your system, it's really going to strengthen your microbiome and the integrity of your gut so that it's healed and it is absorbing the nutrients from the foods as you're intending it to. So I start with backwards, let's get some sleep, let's look at magnesium. Uh, and, and some kids, not all, but a lot of us, I think, it, I think the last statistic that I looked at is like about 70% of us are vitamin D and iron deficient. So you can take vitamin D. I take a liquid D, D, K2 every single day. But when it comes to iron, you do have to go to your doctor and get a panel to find out how much iron you're deficient on so that they can tell you exactly how many milligrams that you need. But magnesium, again, it's, it's just a natural nerve nourishing mineral. And you can start taking that literally today. You'll, it'll take, I'd say it usually takes about three or four weeks to really see the effects, but then everybody's going to be sleeping better at night. The problem is pediatricians and doctors have on average, uh, and this is no offense to them, they have on average of four hours of nutritional training. And so they're recommending to parents things like melatonin constantly. I constantly see that. But as we know, melatonin is a hormone that our body naturally produces and it regulates our sleep cycles. So when I just traveled to England, it was a 10 hour flight there. They're eight hours ahead of California. I brought my melatonin with me for the first couple of nights to get my body back into the rhythm being there. 
but it doesn't, it's not good for us long-term and it's also not going to keep your children asleep. And so the goal is, is to nourish their, their, their nervous system so that they can sleep well. So once everybody's sleeping and we've got parents taking care of themselves, then it does come to leading by example and eating and understanding when you're hungry, there are literally 10 different of hunger. It have, has my blood sugar dropped because we have 250,000 calories of fat on our body and only 2,500 of blood sugar. But we've gotten into this habit, as a lot of people have, that your blood sugar drops. You think I'm hungry. You're not actually hungry. You just are. You you just you've just had a, a blood sugar dip. Uh, number two, one of the biggest ones is you're actually just thirsty. So how much water are you drinking a day? You know, even in the cold winter months. I don't have a problem with, and I recommend it, give your kids some chamomile tea or some mint tea or some herbal tea. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is a replacement for water. It's flavoring the water and it's giving them some great um, nutrients and minerals as well. And so make sure that you're hydrated. And are you, are you leading by example or by bad example by sitting on the couch at night as a lot of us did during quarantine and binge watching whatever shows and just eating mindlessly, right? We need to train our bodies to go, okay, Am I eating because I want to enjoy food? Yes, I, 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 I do agree that food is fuel, but I also disagree because I think that it's this, this beautiful opportunity for us to connect as families. And when you connect together as a family and you're eating together, it's actually proven that kids do better in school. They enjoy it. Levels of stress and anxiety go way down. You eat less calories, you're eating less fatty foods and your body and your system is just much more relaxed. So I would say, you know, the foods is one thing, but it's also taking the time to, to connect with your children and mealtime is a beautiful point for connection because you'll get them chatting. And one of the things that I do with, with my daughter, we've done it for years is, is tell me sweets and sours. So what was sweet about your day and what was sour about your day? Cause I want to hear all of it. And when she tells me the sour things, I celebrate that. Because how else do we learn other than through failure? And that's the growth mindset that you know so well, and this is your expertise. But okay, so you tried something and you failed. Congratulations, you failed. Now you know the next time that you try that same something, how to do it better. Because we're constantly just learning. It's just a learning experience. And so kids have this fear. And one of their belief systems, there's five or six different top belief systems that get programmed at a young age. And one of them is, if I fail or mess up, I will be rejected. So how can we help them shift their perspective? Because perception and perspective is what creates our reality. That, okay, you failed, but guess what? You tried. And I'm so excited that you tried. And number two, okay, you're anxious about something. Do you know that the feeling of anxiety and the feeling of excitement are the exact same thing? That bubbling up in our stomach, the butterflies, the nervousness that can be labeled as excitement as easily as it can be labeled as anxiety. So how are you looking at this sweet child of mine that we can shift that for you a little bit so that you can feel more confident? Oh, that is just a golden nugget right there. I feel like is to explain that anxiety, if I would have known this, and even now, sometimes when I feel anxious, I can just be like, I'm excited. And I know my son has experienced he's 11 now. And I see more and more the anxiety because doing a lot of work, I've realized that the anxiety is um, ancestral, actually, it's in the lineage. So you know, some people have anxiety because of things that have happened. You know, I was brought into this world already predisposed to have anxiety, but it's as simple as just saying, this is excitement because there's so much power in that language. So thank you for 
for bringing that up and sharing that because it's a big tool, not only for us, mm-hmm. but for our children. Yeah, absolutely. But I interrupted you. So you were on to, um, you ha- were in a role of giving us so many great tips on the food, the eating, right? About how it's, a, what to do. And yep. the idea of um, sweet and sour, I am yeah. totally going to use that because not only can we also, I feel like, make eating fun and engaging and have that connection and have kids like just establish a new relationship with the foods they eat. And I, so I, I'm just coming up with this idea that not only tell you about the sweet and sour things in your day, but even kind of having them point that out in their food might take them perceiving foods in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of the inspiration. I wrote a book for kids, actually. It's called Sammy Finds Her Fuel. And so it talks about this little girl that's getting ready to play a soccer game and she eats something that she thinks is great. And of course, it's a sweet treat and she plays terribly. So it's about showing kids really how to kind of have a mirror and look within and read what's what's on the labels and understand that, yes, there are treats, um, but how can we use food and find natural sweet treats. One of my daughter's favorites, which was mine when I was a little girl is apples and peanut butter with honey mixed into it. And, and that's absolutely satisfying. And you're getting your protein and you're getting your, you know, you're getting your, your fiber and all of the vitamins and things that your body needs. So, um, you know, one of the things that I work with parents around at dinner is when their kids are resistant or known as picky and I call it tricky picky. So how can we really get them excited about eating these foods? Well, it all comes down to exposure. You know, when kids are babies and they're in high chairs and they're in those toddler years, they've got to, we've got to allow them to play with food. And when they're sticking it up their nose and in their ear and in their eyeball, that's them learning that it's safe, right? And when kids feel safe, then they are relaxed and then they're open to doing that. And it actually, and so I love the fact that science comes into this, you know, these days we didn't have, my parents, I don't think had this information and your parents probably didn't either, but it actually takes 11 times of a child trying something for them to decide whether or not that they like it. So there's a lot of patience that comes into the process, but how you can speed that up is children are actually four to five times more likely to eat something if it's put into a fun shape or made into a funny face or arranged on their plate in a silly way, because we've got to approach this playfully. That's how kids learn is through play. So take them with you to the grocery store. And I'm not recommending it every single time, right? Because we do need our alone time. We do need to focus when we're there. But take your kids to the grocery store with you. If you're having a hard time getting them to eat, you know, Brussels sprouts or asparagus or whatever it is, have them pick out something that they want to try. And that's their idea, right? So we're providing the choices, but they feel in control of it. So they feel like they've got some ownership and some participation. And then when you get home with them, have them help prep it. You know, at, there's different age um, age appropriate chores for children. You know, a, a three and a four year old they can use plastic plasticware and, and paper plates to help set the tables. So they're a part of that process and they're a part of the family. Eight year olds can peel sweet potatoes. You know, a ten year old can maybe flip pancakes. Whatever it is, and so get them involved in the kitchen and understanding where their food comes from. And then when they have eaten something. 
you know, that maybe isn't that great for them because of course I do have treats in my house. You have treats in your house, but it's not a majority of what's there. A majority of what's there is just being prepared. You know, that's why meal planning has become so popular in the last probably 10, 15 years, because where we as parents don't find enjoyment as cooking is thinking about and planning out and shopping for to prepare for that meal. Whereas if you have a meal plan, then you go, okay, tonight I've got the ingredients for this. I'm making this, or I've prepped this ahead of time. And it makes it a lot easier. So have your kids involved with that as much as possible. And it's absolutely going to increase their, their chances of eating it. And then when it comes to dinner time, you know, there's lots of fun ways to approach it. Always put one safe food on their plate so that they feel like, okay, I've got my gluten-free chicken nuggets or something like that, or I've got some amazing mac and cheese that's homemade or, or something like that. And try that new food on their plate and just say, okay, I would love for you to try it. Or you know what? I haven't tried this before either. Let's be brave together. Let's have a taste test challenge. There are a lot of different ways that you can make it really fun for them. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. So one of the ways that I've gotten my daughter on board is, okay, so we have a rule. You can't say that you don't like it if you haven't tried it. So you can have a bite. And if you really don't like it, you can politely spit it out in your napkin. So I'm not going to force her to eat it. I'm not hovering over her. And, and we're not talking about food at dinner time. We're just sitting together, relaxing, having the conversations about sweet and sours, how her day was, anything that she wants to talk about. And you listen very carefully and allow them to talk. Because everything that comes out of our children's mouths to them is very important. And to us, sometimes we get caught up in this, I'm thinking about all the future things that I have to do, or I'm thinking about the past things that happened. But to treat that family meal time and be very, very present with them. Because if we don't allow them to talk now, when things are actually a lot bigger when they're teenagers, and we're on the precipice of that, you know, they're going to hold back. And we don't want that. We want them to trust us and to know that them sharing with us that we value them, that we actually are listening, not just hearing them, and that we're there for them 110%. And so the foods that they're eating, you know, and I've had these conversations with my daughter, she was on a sleepover and had a pizza party or whatever. And she comes home the next day, she's wrecked, or she's acting, you know, not like her typical self. And I'll have a conversation. Okay, so Let's look at what you ate and how do you think that those foods, you know, have affected your behavior because that's what is feeding your brain. There's, you know, let's say 80% of your serotonin, that lovely feel-good hormone is produced in your gut. Science is proving that now. So it travels up your vagus nerve to your amygdala, then sending messages to your, to your decision-making center of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, which isn't even fully developed until we're 25. But nonetheless, you can just see how quickly that happens for children. So when you see them go, okay, well, they've had sugar and now they're bouncing off the walls. How do you think they're going to react when you've just fed them some Cheetos or um, you know, some, some, some yogurts or something like that that are filled with a ton of other chemicals? So it's not just the sugar that we have to be aware of. It's understanding that you know those foods are so highly processed and have this really long shelf life. And if we want our kids to have you know, a hundred year shelf life, we've got to give them the opportunity to eat whole fresh foods. So, I mean, my daughter eats a variety of things, but there are a couple of things that she just says, absolutely not. I'm not going to touch that, but that changes. And your taste buds categorically change once you've strengthened the integrity of your microbiome, you start to crave more nutritious foods. And, you know, we should be eating intuitively, like, am I really hungry right now? And what does my body really need? But we, because when we get into these mindless forms of eating is when these bad habits start. So much that you have shared, I feel like, and what's really come up is 
just build this curiosity and awareness and fun around eating. I mean, if that's my biggest takeaway, I feel like it's like, it doesn't have to be a difficult time of the day because I feel like even when my kids were a little bit younger, mine are eight and 11 right now, but it was a really challenging time of the day, just dinner time. And I heard that from a lot of other younger school age and school age um, parents that it's just so miserable. But when we're creating that like dread of eating, it's putting out a message to our kids around the foods that they eat, around what mealtime means. I mean, and it's so powerful to just engage them. I I love the idea of bringing your kids into the grocery store with you, bring them into um, the cooking experience, you know, having them peel or flip pancakes, or, you know, if they're older, cut and chop things up safely. Uh, So thank you for all of those tips. I mean, I feel like all everything that you've added here are such so powerful that I can take home with me. I'm already home, but just take home and build that into my daily practice is that food is a time to connect and a time to, you know, it's beyond even the foods that we eat. It's about that connection and the association and the conditioning around what food looks like. And it moves beyond that. It's about having that opportunity to say what went right, what went wrong? How can we do better? Did you fail today? It's so important that we fail. And this is a practice that I picked up recently was that idea that what did you fail at? Or, you know, just changing the perception and that connotation to fail, because when they're at school all day, they're told to perform, to be perfect to fit into the box and our kids don't belong in the box, pun intended, right? The box foods, the box categories, you know, it just opens up so many opportunities. And something that you shared with me before we started recording was um, the project that you're working on. Could you tell us a little bit more about, and I want to bring this up because not only should we bring our kids into the um, buying experience of food, but even taking it beyond that and growing the foods. This is something where I feel like as a culture, we are moving to. So would you like to maybe share a little bit about how we can do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the other branch of my work, as I said, is called Crystal Clear Nutrition Group. And so I work as a developer for AgriHoods, and I also work with real estate development projects in the active lifestyle community sector. So there are projects that are all over the country and all over the world. And I love to see that the millennials have brought forward this experience-driven culture that they want to go somewhere and have an experience. And so I was lucky enough to be raised by a mom that had a garden in the backyard. So I knew where my food came from and I picked strawberries out of the garden and ate them right out of the dirt and pulled the carrots. And so that was just a part of my life. And what's unfortunate is that a lot of kids don't have that luxury um, just by way of either, you know, the, the, the home that they live in, but now we've got things like tower gardens. They're really easy to have fresh herbs and, and, and vegetables and things growing right outside on your patio door. If you live in a smaller place and the raised beds, uh, things of that nature. So 
the programming that I work with uh, is is amazing because we're, I'm able to go in and on a small scale, put in a one acre farm to feed a farm to table restaurant or set up a four or 10 acre farm where we can have a CSA, which is a community supported agricultural program where you can go and actually get the boxes of foods and really ex- expose kids at a very early age as to where their food comes from, because we've sort of lost that, you know, we've sort of lost that, that ancient path, I believe, is the new path mm-hmm. of kind of going back to our roots and where and where it's come from. Because if you look at the supply chain, it's come from a farm somewhere in another country so that we've got all of these fruits and vegetables available that we wouldn't have normally had available. And so we're meant to actually eat seasonally. That's how our bodies are designed. When it's cold outside, we should be eating warm soups, you know, from the root vegetables um, as the base of it and not drinking super cold smoothies. Those are great for summertime, but our bodies are actually designed with with the equal balance of the yin and the yang. And so we've got to follow kind of seasonally what's available. So I recommend either taking kids to um, to a local farm. They do tours at varieties of local farms, especially now, you know, it's an outdoor experience that we can all very safely enjoy or equally take your kids with you to the farmer's market mm-hmm. and see that these farms, you know, the farmers that are coming and providing these foods are from within a five mile radius. And then we know that it's been picked and pulled within a couple of days rather than coming from Chile and on a ship, it was picked early. So it hasn't been fully riped and it's not expressing its full nutrient value to us. And then, you know, it's picked early. It's on a ship. It comes here. It's on a truck. It's then traveled. And then by the time it hits the grocery store shelves, it's, it just isn't as, as, as widely available with the nutrients that our body needs. And so that's why, you know, supplements are such a huge part of our lifestyle these days because we aren't getting the nutrients that we need from our diets, which is why I recommended looking at magnesium earlier. And when I personally went through some severe depression and anxiety, one of the things that my naturopath doctor uh, put me on was called nutritional lithium. And when you hear the word lithium for anybody in our industry, you're like, okay, were you bipolar? No, I'm not bipolar. There there are different types of lithium. And lithium, again, it's another natural mineral that our body needs. In fact, in the 70s, when 7-Up, the drink 7-Up was created, it actually had nutritional lithium in it. So kids that are expressing things like frustration and aggression and anger and, um, and, and, and physical outbursts, you add nutritional lithium into their diet and it calms them down. So 7-Up, it's, it's a chemical number was 6.9. So they rounded it up and called it seven up because you wow, would drink this nutritional knew. lithium. I, I know. Isn't it funny? That. I love That's why stuff like we that. had seven up when we were sick as kids. I mean, I was yep. born in the seventies. So that, that explains why I would have seven up when I just didn't want to have anything <laughs> so sick. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to have nutritional lithium and it doesn't any longer. So you can absolutely get nutritional lithium. It is available over the counter. Um, And it's just one of those things that among all of the supplements that we recommend and look at, um, you know, we're not getting from our foods that, that are kind of a base requirement of what not only we as adults need, but especially kids because their brains are developing rapidly in the early years. And if they're not, if their nervous system isn't settled, and that's why I said, I always start backwards of how's sleep going because their brains are developing as they sleep, right? And protein synthesis actually happens at night when they're sleeping. So the foods that they've eaten during the day are then are then being cycled within their body to give their developing brains what they need. They did a study too with kids and they found out that they were unfocused at school and they found out that they were just dehydrated. 
So there's a lot of things that we can look at really naturally and say, okay, how can I solve this? And how can I look at this from a different perspective? Unfortunately, when, again, when we're going to doctors and I'm not medical disclaimer, I'm not saying don't go to your doctor if there's something wrong, but they're unfortunately not geared with uh, nutritional training in order to understand how nutrition is affecting our, our input and our output, both on a physical and a biological level. So I always recommend to people, if you really think that you're having some severe problems, go to a functional medicine doctor, find the natural path, find a holistic nutritionist. I do work with people one-on-one, but when kids are experiencing extreme rates of aggressive ADHD, that's not necessarily my specialty, but we can look at just a handful of things that are happening in our food production system and the supplements that they need in order to thrive. Because I believe that we all as parents are meant to have a joyful parenting experience. I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds totally nuts, but we should be, we should be enjoying our children. I mean, that's our one, I feel like purpose in life and human evolution is to reproduce grow healthy, thriving kids so that we can keep the cycle alive. And so I want to ask you one question, and I know this is outside perhaps of yours and mine, um, breath of, you know, I would say credentials, perhaps, I don't know, because you are certified nutrition, um, and wellness, but do you think this is perspective that a lot of our diagnosis are could be related to the foods that we're eating? A thousand percent. Okay. Yeah, that's easy. A thousand percent. It 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 all comes back to what's happening in your gut. So, you know, if we look at the top ten issues that are happening with kids, obesity, absolutely. And there's studies again. I love to look back at the science of it. In fact, one of my colleagues, Dr. Brian Allman, he was a part of the. the ACEs study, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, adverse childhood experiences. And so they're now linking problems that adults have are linked back to our childhood. It's categorically now proven. And so I believe that if we look at what's coming into our body and we look at the list of things, anything from schizophrenia, bipolar, ADD, ADHD, generalized anxiety, depression, all of those are stemming from what's coming into our bodies and what's coming into our guts. And so you you can start to change that by way of healing your gut and using some of the foods that I mentioned earlier and some of the supplements. Well, you have just been so enlightening and really hit home with my own experience of, you know, having the diagnosis of depression and generalized anxiety disorder and just my ability to heal it. If I would have had this information 20 years ago, even 30 years ago, like I would not have ever, like I would have been able to shorten the healing process. Right. And it's not about completely eliminating it because there are so many factors I feel like involved, but just if we would know more about how important our gut is, how important it is, what we're putting into our mouths and what we're feeding our children is so empowering. So I'm so happy that uh, you came on the show today and I would love to continue the conversation. I feel like we might need to do a part two or continue this on another platform. How can our listeners, uh, my listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, so super easy. It's crystalclearkids.com. And on my products page, they can find my book for kids. They can find my course. They can find my contact information. I have a group on Facebook 
that's called Clean Eating for Kids by Crystal Hillsley. And I go in there live a couple of times a week and do different topics and answer questions. So um, crystalclearkids.com is probably the best source. I am so excited to continue supporting you and Crystal Clear Kids and spreading the word and the importance of what you're teaching through empowering families and children to just live happier and healthier lives because parenting is supposed to be fun and life we're supposed to live a happy healthy life and to me that's the true definition of success but I have one last question for you that I ask most of all my listeners what is your definition of happiness being secure in the present moment and feeling an ultimate sense of gratitude no matter what happens. It's so true. It all comes back to presence, I feel like. Mm. So thank you for sharing your presence, your gifts, your purpose, and just so much knowledge and wisdom and value in this episode. I'm excited to share it and spread the word and continue supporting you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I would love to come back. There's so many other modalities I could share as well. So happy to happy to support you in any way I can. I love what you're doing. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for listening and investing your time with me because I believe we are all here to learn, grow and evolve effortlessly into the future. If you enjoyed what was shared today, I encourage you to subscribe, rate, review and share because together we can do so much more. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Carrie Faith on Purpose to find out more opportunities to uncover your deepest why.